Vanessa Hudgens. Selena Gomez? Oh right, this must be a Disney movie. Oh no. Oh no. I've got this very wrong on today's episode of that song from that movie. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your, it's time for an explicit warning, host Dietrich, and we're joined by, shit, he's fucking made of money. Look at his fucking teeth, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did cost a lot of money. A lot of money. They are solid titanium. (laughs) On On a side point, dentistry is just way too overpriced. As if you have to go private, because there's no NHS d- dentists around here. Three yep. and a half thousand it was, for mine. That I didn't get done. God. But is that, was that a genuine quote? Yeah, I got I got quoted. Uh, I've, was that for I've, Invisalign? Something? I've got, no, it was literally to replace a tooth that I no longer have. Oh, God. I thought I was, it was bad getting quoted, like, £70 for a filling. Yep. <laughs> Jeez, which I still can't afford. <laughs> anyway, he's always acting suspicious, Ben. I am. I am, sus. The, the 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 screenplay for this must be incredible. I imagine the script for this was just like James Franco says something, he'll just ad lib it. Yeah, I'm sure it was all improvised. Just made up words. I would like to know in the past fortnight what have you been watching? Cha cha cha. Um, not well. No, I was going to say not many films. I've, I've watched a, lots of parts of films, but old films. Um, Elaborate. Muppets the movie. Of which which one? The original? No, the the newer one with the okay. Jason Segel, uh, right, which we yes. should, which we yeah, obviously should be covering yes, on this podcast at some point because it has an Oscar-winning song in the middle of it randomly. Um, yeah, Happy Gilmore also, and um, Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. So those two were on back to back. It's like what a lineup. It's like literally teenage Alex dreaming. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. You... <laughs> also a bit of Legally Blonde yeah. as well. What a film! Yeah. Not good Do you remember those just... those days when you'd get those really odd? Grouped like VHSs, which had like three films on it that were just completely unrelated. Sort of, but the one I'm thinking of is I had there was three Adam Sandler films: Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, and Bulletproof, which is I believe a film that nobody has seen. I uh, no, never no. <laughs> it has Damon Wayans in it. Okay, yeah, Adam Sandler and Damon. Probably like Wayans. no one's ever seen it. <laughs> well, yeah, and also Stranger Things, but you know, isn't that just the world? Wasn't everybody watching Stranger Things? And that was essentially yeah. a film. It was like two films, basically. Those last two episodes. Well, longer, yeah. Jesus, Ben. I'm, I was just thinking. I, I don't think I have watched things because life. So, uh, oh no, wait. I went to see Elvis. I saw Elvis. Oh, what did you think? I've not uh, seen. Yeah, it. I thought it was pretty good. Would you recommend? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. If you like uh, his kind of films, Baz Luhrmann, you'll enjoy it. Um, I also went to see The Thing at the cinema. I think I don't think I've spoken about that since we last um, were on the podcast. Yeah. It was good, although one guy was just enjoying it too much. Like mm-hmm. you know, when you go see an old film, and it, I mean it's a horror film, and I know it's it's a bit corny and cheesy, but he just kept going, "Whoa, yeah, good!" Just like clapping, and you're like, oh, "Just sh- shut the fuck up." Um, someone challenged him at the end, which was nice. They challenged him. What did they say? I don't know. It was just. It was basically saying like I've never seen the film before, and the guy's defense was, "Well, I've seen it hundreds of times, um, so I don't know how that's a defense." The past two weekends, because it's been a while since we recorded, I have got very drunk on the Saturday and needed something on the Sunday to help me out with my hangover. So I binge watched all of 
Taskmaster oh, over two Sundays. Again. <laughs> yeah, so I watched all the latest series. I thought it was really good. Have you guys seen it? The latest season? Yeah, the latest one. I think I've watched the first four or five episodes. I've not seen the full thing. It was all right, yeah. Yeah, what did you think of uh, David Correos's bit? That's not ringing it. Wait, we don't... <laughs> I, I don't know if I've seen that part. Well, what about... Top level um, podcasting. What, what about Guy Montgomery or Laura Daniel? <laughs> Are we watching the same TV show? <laughs> you mean you've not been watching Taskmaster New Zealand? Oh, I see. <laughs> we finished all of the UK ones, so we started watching the New Zealand one. Oh, okay. Modern TV viewing. I also watched uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that, I have seen decent reviews for that, actually. So this week we're heading to Florida for Spring Break. Woo! To break down the songs of the movie Spring Breakers. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. Yep, and we're not going far back for this one because we are only in April 2013. I seem to find any way I can on this podcast to reference Margaret Thatcher. Um, mm-hmm. Because Ding Dong the Witch is Dead charted at number 10 in the official midweek <laughs> charts just two days after the death of um, the former PM. I did not purchase the song, but I enjoyed it all the same. <laughs> in completely unrelated, pointless news, authorities in Iceland ordered tests on meat pies sold in grocery stores in response to reports it was filled with horse meat. Um, oh, yeah. uh, it turned out it was actually oh, filled yeah, with um, nothing. No meat whatsoever. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I think it was the beef pie apparently had no beef in it whatsoever. Zero percent beef. <laughs> Zero percent beef. A hundred percent pie. <laughs> That sounds ideal. Well, just all pastry. <laughs> just pastry. Just pastry pie. It's a potato peel pie. <laughs> oh, yeah. The horse meat scandal was really annoying, though, because all it made me think is that horse meat tastes just as good, and it's much cheaper, so why don't we just eat horse meat? I honestly don't know what, what horse meat tastes like. I mean, I probably do, because I've probably eaten it because I've had Spam or something in my life, or corned beef or something that was horse. Zero percent beef. Zero percent beef, yeah. I've also eaten glue. I... <laughs> And we have to honour some of our legends of the podcast because in April 2013, American Pulitzer Prize winning film reviewer Roger Ebert dies at the age of 70 following a battle with cancer. We are big fans. Um, His weird four-star review system. If anyone ever wants something fun to read, go and look at Roger Ebert's worst films he's ever seen and just the snippets of the reviews because they are fantastic. It would have been interesting to know what he made of uh, Spring Breakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Might have been the film that killed him. (laughs) So yes, today we're speaking about Spring Breakers, which is a 2013 American crime film written and directed by Harmony Corinne and starring the likes of James Franco, Vanessa Hudgens, Selena Gomez, Ashley Benson and Rachel Corinne. So for those unaware, the story follows four college-aged girls on their spring break in Florida where they meet an eccentric local drug dealer who helps them in a time of desperation and their eventual descent into a world of drugs, crime, and violence. So, I, I, have, a, I have an interesting relationship <laughs> with this film. I'm curious to hear, Dee, have you only recently seen this? Yeah, so yeah, another episode of this podcast, another movie I watched for the first time in preparation oh, for this. Oh my god. So yeah, I'm curious about the how someone takes it fresh-faced. Well, I mean, because of you two and your obsession with this movie, <laughs> I'd already seen the every time part, yeah. obviously completely out of context. And I knew from compiling the top five from the previous episode, which feels like an, an age ago now, that the movie is divisive. So yeah, that's fair. I don't know really that's fair. what I was expecting in terms of quality, but I mean, now I've seen it, 
I'm still trying to formulate an opinion on it. It's been two <laughs> weeks since I've watched Sounds it. Sounds like a how many come in film, yeah? Yeah, I can't decide if it was absolutely fantastic and one of the best ones I've ever seen, or mm. like just just okay. Like it wasn't bad. So I don't know why it was on the divisive list. Ma, might you love it or hate it? Because I, I don't think it was a bad film in any no. way. Like it has some of the best cinematography I think I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> yeah. It feels like a fever dream in every single scene. But then the script is shit. <laughs> It feels like you have to be specific when you say those things because of some of the scenes in the film. And it's very easy to be labelled and branded as a particular type of individual by saying things like that. I can definitely agree that it is a film. Um, it has a runtime that I would call film worthy. Um, a, a film length. Oh yeah, shout out to the movie length. I think all movies should be that length. Yeah. What, yeah. like 18 really minutes good. or something? <laughs> yeah, it should be 90 minutes, including credits. Yes, it should, yeah. Alex, were you there that faithful time that I suggested this film I back was. in 2013, probably 2014? And I had assumed that D was there also, but obviously not. <laughs> but I, I was there, yeah. I did see it at the Hyde Park Cinema with the Shout out Hyde Park Cinema. The greatest cinemas in the country. Good independent cinema. Probably the perfect setting for this film. In all <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, so yeah, I think, I, I think I've actually seen this film three times now. Nice. And I still don't know what it's trying to be. Or, or like D said, if it's good or not. It, it, but it is compelling in some some way. I think we said that in the last. But it's not bad. It's not. Yeah, bad. it's not bad, bad. But it's also, it's just, uh, it's just confusing as to what it actually is. Like, is it a serious coming of age drama about teenage societal disconnection, or is it like a comedy about <laughs> this group of spring breakers who start shooting gangsters with a goofy white dreadlocked rapper called Alien? I mean, it is all those things, <laughs> but it's also none of those things. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, if you, I think like what D said about the cinematography, it does feel a bit like. It's like a school art project or something. Like like a top tier yeah. film school yeah. Yeah. art project. Because it has like a lot of cool edgy shots. But it's also pretty incoherent generally. And I feel like what's really <laughs> weird for me is that they kind of set the Selena Gomez character up at the beginning as kind of sort of the main character or maybe like the heart of the film that seems to be driving kind of like the part yeah. of it that makes yeah. sense. But then like she just abruptly leaves after about 45 minutes. And then there's like the sort of moral anchor or the conscience of, of what is happening is just lost immediately. And it just kind of yeah. descends into to, to just what can only be described as madness. Like I, it's just weird film, but yeah, compelling in some, in, 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 in the fact that, that it just is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Yep. It's uh, it could be like an Apple advert shot on like an iPhone, like some of the ways, like um, what's the guy who does Florida Project and American Honey and films like that? It feels like you're getting a weird, very personal shot of like CD, um, back alley America. Um, the fact that Selena Gomez is the heart is probably why she leaves. Um, well, the, yes. fil the film has this weird relationship with like bridges and like crossing over the bridges it has repeated mm. shots of them just going on that bus over the bridges to like oh and this is where you go into this fantasy world where you can literally do anything and get away with it and all these seasoned gangsters are getting absolutely rinsed by these three girls in bikinis um yeah. one-handed using an uzi um it's like a gta sort of fever dream it does feel like aesthetically like the GTA Online thing where people just dress up in ridiculous costumes yeah. and kill each other. Yep. Have either of you two seen Death Proof before? Yes. The Tarantino. It's kind of like, it's almost trying to be like that kind of thing. 
mm-hmm. but isn't also at the same time. It's also yeah. a bit like Euphoria or something. <laughs> you know, it's just like I, I don't get what it's tra- trying to blend. It's like it's trying to to sort of mesh two types of story, but isn't either. It's weird as well. You said Ben about them going into this fantasy realm where like anything goes and they can kind of get away with anything, but that's also not true because they get arrested somehow even though they're in a group of about 300 people the four of them managed to get arrested even though <laughs> they weren't the ones doing the drugs didn't have the drugs but they're but, the ones who yeah. end up in prison and then one of them gets shot yeah one of them does get <laughs> shot but then i guess that's kind of like connects they, those are the ones that go back aren't they the, yeah true and i suppose they in the end and like, then after the they get arrested i mean okay. there's still no consequences they still go back out and carry on this life of just you know listening yeah. the ivory keys that's while singing true. britney spears so do you like this film though that's the question do you like this film I feel like I've got to say yes. Okay. Good. I either like Good. it or love it, and I don't know which way I fall yet. I don't know if I'll ever know which way I'll fall. No. Nope. <laughs> I've seen this film about seven or eight times, Steve. Yeah. I don't think you ever will. You never, you see, you'll never know. Quentin Tarantino said this was one of his favourite films of the year. Oh, so someone likes <laughs> That's it. That's not a surprise. I mean, it's the thing. It is considered a cult classic because yeah. it is so divisive. BBC put it in their 100 greatest films of the 21st century list. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go that far. When was that list? That was it like April 2013. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's still 13 years of film. Yeah, it's still a lot of films. <laughs> yeah, but like the Naughties was an endless string of Shrek sequels. <laughs> 80% of those are Shrek sequels. Or Minions and, uh, and Ice Age, let's yeah. not forget. It's all over now. Um, so yeah, Harmony Corinne said he refers to this as Beach Noir. Which is stupid. No, it's not right. <laughs> There's nothing noir about it. Just because it's got some maybe like um, really like transient shots of like um, sort of almost moonlit yeah. grayscale neon lights. Um, there's nothing noir. Yeah, there's ele- electric lights. It's like the brightest film. It's neon on neon on neon. Yeah, so much neon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also said that he wanted to make the film appear as a mixture of a Britney Spears music video and a Gaspar Noé film. Now, do you know Gaspar Noé? Not the name. Okay, um, nope. he made a film called Climax and Irreversible. Now, Climax is on, I think it's on Netflix, almost a single shot film about a group of dancers who take drugs and everything just goes insane. Really good film. Irreversible, very good film. Enter the Void, stupid, insane. What is this guy doing? Lock him up. This is weird. I think that's what he's kind of going for, Harmony Corinne, and I think yeah. it's these really oh, edgy films. Um, but yeah, this was one of A24's first feature films then maybe their second film so a24 if people are unaware is like probably the biggest indie movie production company around like you you see a24 on uh, a film it's probably going to do well they did films like moonlight ladybird ex machina um american honey midsummer midsummer yeah probably did midsummer yeah i mean they've done quite a lot it's like the blumhouse of non-horror who just make everything now but yeah, it's it has a place, this film, because it occupies a corner that no one else can come close to, because it is so weird. And I honestly think if you made the character of Alien slightly more normal, the film would be a lot better. <laughs> or it would fall apart, then. <laughs> That's the thing. You can't quite pinpoint yeah, it. Yeah, I completely disagree with that. You make, you make him normal, it just becomes like a teen drama. The film makes more sense. But it loses something. I don't know what it loses. Yeah, it loses something. We had a we had yeah. a friend who went to see this uh, and laughed so much that a I think it was a woman in the few, yeah, in a few rows in front of us was very angry at us because he has a very loud laugh and it was constant. <laughs> it was constant. 
<laughs> I mean, that shot in the middle where they're in the courtroom in the bikinis was, I think, the final straw of the laughter, wasn't it? <laughs> Halfway through was the final straw. I'm sorry, <laughs> the, we're going to get to the final straw very soon. So various artists collaborated on the soundtrack for Spring Breakers. It was obviously going for a very particular theme and a type, a brand of music, shall we say. So it had... Songs by the likes of Meek Mill, Gucci Mane, um, was produced and composed by Skrillex and Cliff Martinez. And one of the main songs, which the film opens with, is a Skrillex song called Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites. Now, as a young boy, this song ticked the box of what I wanted all my music to be, which was, I want it to be so loud that it hurts my ears. And that's Skrillex. That's literally Skrillex's little... That is what he does. It's his MO. That is his MO. So people unaware, Skrillex is an American EDM dubstep producer. Probably for about maybe two, three years, he was hot shit. He was the big guy. Perfect for this opening, really, I guess. The song opens the film. The title credits fade. We have various slow motion shots of people on the beach at spring break in what is basically deprived positions (laughs) in slow motion what do you think of the song's use in the film the song in general well i feel like if you've heard one skrillex song you've heard every single skrillex song you know yeah to me they're all the same style where at first it's a banger and you get like a minute into it and then you're like oh we're just gonna repeat that again that's okay which I suppose for this movie, that actually fits quite well because of how much shots are reused. And especially this, this opening sequence, we see that digital camera footage, which presumably is from the early noughties. We see that so many times for the film just over and over again. So I guess it works for that reason. Yeah. In terms of the actual beach partying, can you guess why they're obviously American? Um, is it all the glow sticks? No, no. A British person likes a glow stick. Uh, yeah. Fair. Is it Fair. the white the white tea? Is it white claw? Are they drinking are they all drinking white claws? It's before white claws. They all seem to be embracing the fun. They're all embracing the fun. No, it's because you would never see a British person or pretty much anyone from any other country other than America wasting Poor beer so them. much alcohol. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. I see that's fair. It would never happen, especially where we live. Like you, sp- you spill, a, you spill a drop, and people start shouting at you. It's, it'd be a bit of a different mood if they're spilling like John Smith's bitter on on, on Bridlington on Beach. Bridlington Beach. Lamb train going past in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a bit of a different vibe to uh, what's going on in Spring Breakers. Yeah. I mean, the scene itself, you do feel a bit dirty watching it. Yeah, not yeah. dirty in a sexual way, but just like in a this looks gross and sticky kind of way. Especially on the sand as well. That's not going to be oh, pleasant. Oh, yeah. Ugh. But I do... The the music... I like the initial kind of, like, refrain that plays. Like, the sort of the slower tempo. A bit, It's kind of like a bit dreamy and airy, isn't it? I guess that's the sprite reference in the song title. Um, and I like that. And that kind of becomes the main theme for the song. I think it plays again at the end. Uh, for the film, so it plays again at the end. And then, obviously, it drops into that kind of, like, weird... Yeah, kind of Skrillexy thing, but I guess it does kind of work with the tone of the film, doesn't it? It's kind of like this sense of like a fantasy world mixed with like kind of a gritty, dirty, ugly reality kind of, or and that's kind of I guess the entire film in in a sort of miniature. So I, I think it does work as an opening scene, and it is quite gripping, and it's kind of shocking in a way. Not not really. I don't. Shocking is quite the word, but 
I mean, obviously, you get like n- nudity and things like that have kind of become the norm in films, really. Not not in all films, but you know, it's not it's not surprising anymore in the way yeah. that maybe it was in the you know the golden era of cinema. Um, <laughs> but they still, I don't know, they still find a way to make it a bit bit shocking in this. I feel because of the kind of the way it's depicted, but also the music helps with that because it's like that drop uh-huh. is quite surprising, especially if you don't. You know, a big Skrillex aficionado. (laughs) That we all are. (laughs) Like, that we all are. Um, So I think it does work, kind of. And yeah, it fits with the tone of, of, you know, what the film is about. So I think it's interesting what Dee said about the repetition, because... That is some. That is a motif, though. Until you reference it, then you, and you mentioned it with the bridges, Ben. I hadn't properly appreciated, except for that part where um, they're in the pool at the end, and, and James Franco says something about. Well, they say something about him being a scaredy cat, or something, and it repeats it like ten times mm-hmm. with different, yeah, slightly different yeah, footage. And it's like, yeah, there is a real common theme. Like, theme, I guess, it's kind of a bit. Is again, it's trying to replicate sort of like almost like a dreamscape, isn't it? Of how things kind of tick round in your mind and things like uh, when you when you're dreaming and sort of pop back in and go go away and sort of like that so i think it's a good opening scene for the film and then obviously it kind of drops straight away doesn't it just like into this sort of like normal team at university kind of in in lessons and things and then then the church and it's all a bit like oh okay now we're settled again before you know there's that weird shop robbery scene that you feel yeah, yeah. is going to come back to haunt them at some point but never does yeah it's like, like i say it does feel very video gamey by that point hmm. um but yeah i do think it is a good opening i think reading about this film before i'd seen it and like this you know critically acclaimed taking your friends and that's the opening scene it was like the, <laughs> it was the biggest sort of like hit down to earth of oh maybe this isn't a critics film <laughs> Maybe I've read the wrong <laughs> review. Maybe I've walked into the wrong screening. There's but, only one screen either. Yeah, yeah, there is only one screen. <laughs> you were definitely in the right. <laughs> but yeah, it is weird. Um, but Skrillex is used well. To say that he is, even in dubstep, as in those that enjoy dubstep, he is the unwanted child of dubstep. I think he's he's often there's a fantastic and I, I like I don't really like dubstep but there is a fantastic YouTube video called All My Homies Hate Skrillex a story about what happened with dubstep and it's like an hour long about a guy that absolutely loves dubstep just saying how like Skrillex embodied everything that destroyed his love for <laughs> for dubstep a lot of it in in the UK is quite interesting because it's related to like when the smoking ban came out a lot of clubs would play music, especially like dance and EDM and dubstep, would play music almost like an album, like ebbs and flows, and it like builds towards the end of the night. You'd have like the crescendo, and then you'd kind of you know ease it off as you were getting ready for people to leave. Basically, Skrillex embodied, and when, what happened with the smoking ban is people kept coming in and out of clubs because people were going outside for smoke, so you had to have all those ebbs and flows in one song because you had to keep people inside. And you knew that if you ever had a lull mm, moment, okay. everyone went outside. So Skrillex kind of epitomized that you need the drop. Every song, you need to be building for that drop. And that's basically everyone associates Skrillex with dreamscape It's very lo-fi at points, but then it slowly builds and builds and builds into just a ridiculous, screechy explosion of noise, often a soundbite from something weird. In this case, I think it was... Rachel Nedrom, that's it, who's a cup-stacking YouTuber who shouts, yes, oh my gosh, as she's stacking some cups. You know, like a soundbite from that. You basically had to put that all into a song. And a lot of, like, proper lovers of dance, EDM, dubstep, and, and the like, that ruined it for them. 
because clubs just basically changed into what we probably knew when we were clubbing, which was just, you've just played bangers and bangers. You just played the favourites because you played a bad song and everyone left. So you're saying that Skrillex did more for people's health than the government did? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't Yeah, probably. He kept everyone inside. Although they were probably drinking more. Is that why we don't see him anymore? Did the tobacco companies, you know, get rid of him? It was COVID. As soon as he had to go outside, it was like... (laughs) Ruined it. Just got COVID. Ruined his career. Are you ready for an absolute incredible fact before we move on? Yeah. Always. According to a scientific study, scientific study published in Acta Tropica, scary monsters and nice sprites can provide protection against mosquito bites. <laughs> now, apparently, female mosquitoes exposed to the song attacked hosts much later than their non-exposed peers. <laughs> It's because they were staying in to dance to it in the club, weren't they? That's why. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, it's something to do with low-frequency tones uh, can serve as a um, an inv- more environmentally friendly means of pest control versus pesticides. So if you're walking through uh, the fields and someone's just absolutely blasting bangerang out, they're doing it for the environment. Good to know. That is a factoid. <laughs> so yeah, the next song that we're talking about today is probably the most standout moment of Spring Breakers, and it's Thanks to Every Time by Britney Spears for the unaware. Every Time is a piano-driven pop ballad by American singer Britney Spears from her fourth studio album, In The Zone, back in 2003. Before I give out some facts and a bit of a deep dive, I think this song's a banger. Different kind of banger to Skrillex. (laughs) Couldn't be more chalk and cheese. But what do we think about its use in the film? Because it's amazing. I I, I just go back to to the cinema when we saw it. I know that like, there's a reference to Britney Spears earlier in the film where the girls are all singing it outside of the the sort of the convenience store, and like there oh, yeah. is this kind of, especially with Vanessa Hudgens and Selena Gomez, with them both kind of being from the Disney crop in the same way that Britney Spears was. It's clearly like a reference to that, but I, I feel like when the song comes in, when James Franco starts singing, it's so unexpected. <laughs> the way he sings yeah. it is is just so bad. It's almost like. It can't be putting it on because it's that awful. And yet, when it kicks into the proper song, it just captures the entire madness and incoherence and, and craziness of the full film. <laughs> They're wearing ski masks and like pink camouflage joggings. They've got yeah. machine guns and they're kind of like doing pirouettes around a swimming pool in some sort of Florida swamp. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, like a golden sunset in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's on like a white piano outside, like a grand piano outside on like a patio by a pool. And it's just it's just so, so weird, <laughs> but yet so watchable. It's just so unusual. That's the thing. We should have said that the song appears because James Franco's character Alien, this gangster, plays it on a grand piano that's by a pool while the three scantily clad girls in ski masks also start singing. But James Franco starts singing the opening bit and it's so twee and just terrible that, and I think I completely agree, if it didn't have him singing it and it just maybe had the piano refrain, him playing it, and then busted into actual Britney Spears' version, it would work great. I think it's such a, like, there's such an antithesis, such a difference between, like, the really touching voice of Britney Spears <laughs> alongside just the absolute mayhem and carnage that these girls are causing. 
But all I recall and all I remember and all I associate is James Franco's just that, notice me. I just can't help but laugh. And we laughed in the cinema and it just takes you out of that scene. You can't take it serious. Maybe when you've watched it a few times and you can start to break it down like we do as we, you know, attempt to digest anything from a critical point of view. But you just think of the humour of this weird character singing it terribly. Yeah. And like I mentioned it earlier, but I'd seen the scene many years ago because you guys forced me to watch it. And I thought it was just bizarre. I mean, I mean, I guess it still is definitely ridiculous in the context of the movie, but it like 100% fits with what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it, it's probably the best sequence in the movie. Yeah, it, It's definitely the most memorable. Like maybe the look at my shit bit is <laughs> up, up there, but I just don't think it hits this. Cause it's, this is just such an incredible, memorable visual. And that's only the beginning. The bit once the Britney version kicks in and it goes to them actually robbing the people at that uh, fancy party that's just as good as well it, it elevates the whole movie this scene yeah i think if this wasn't in it i think i would have said ah, it's, it's trying to be a bit more it's trying to be edgy but like this scene both parts of the scene it just makes the movie feel deep and i think this is the bit if i was to say to somebody else oh you've not seen it you need to see this bit like you guys did to me 10 years ago <laughs> yeah 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 god yeah almost 10 years ago wow yeah it is the standout scene of the film um, it's a bit like when we mentioned Midsummer earlier. It's like when I laugh at Midsummer because there's some of the weird stuff that goes on. It's like, I- am I finding this funny? Should it be funny? You know, it's this kind of like, I'm really confused at how I'm supposed to be responding to this. And I- and that that detaches me because I'm, always- I'm fine breaking films down. But at the first point of it, I want to connect to it on a- an emotional level or even just at like a cognitive level. I just can't because I'm just so taken out of it. It's like, what is going on? What the hell am I watching? <laughs> it it just surprises me in the wrong ways. So I completely get that. I think the scene is fantastic in a lot of ways it's used. But at the same time, there's too much mishmash. There's too much of... It almost feels like there's, there's almost two films spliced together with different yeah, intentions. I, I, I completely get what you're saying. But I think in a lot of ways, what you've said in terms of the sort of... That's its detriment. That is what makes it so good to me. That's what makes it yeah, work. Maybe, yeah, because I, I just feel like with so many films, like they hit the same beats over and over again, and you you know you know it's 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 giving you a specific message, and you take that in comfortably, and it's like yeah, I get what this film's telling me. This one, you just can't, you just don't know what what it's supposed to be, or what it's what its message is, or the fact that it mm. is that way because of all the things you've just listed. Because you're trying to comprehend it. <laughs> so it makes but, you think yeah, about it more. Yeah, and like yeah. whether that's, yeah, maybe that's that's a, a bad thing in terms of whether if we do overanalyze it. But I think in a lot of ways, the fact that it makes you think about it after you've watched it is its main positive in a lot of ways, isn't it? I'm, I'm fine with thinking afterwards. I just, at the, in, the, in the moment, in the it's like, what's, what's going on? Because I feel like we've said what we think the film is about in this kind of how it depicts, you know, this, I guess this, progressive culture in america of just that the you know the disposable income the capitalist kind of nature of just just absolutely embracing the sins all the sins just absolute you know debauchery but there's just those little kind of humorous bits that i'm just like well is it what's that what's he doing so i think it's just stuff like that where it's probably quite good that it's making me ask questions but i just don't always want to answer them when in the middle of it yeah, I think um, I think I I take the scene as because the the thing with Alien, the character of Alien, we're going to analyze him deeply, is like he does he is like quite fragile. His his yeah, status so, yeah. is a, is very fragile, and it's all about yeah, it's all about 
flaunting wealth and things but you get the picture straight away that he's like second in you know he's second in this city to that other gangster whose name Gucci Mane yeah yeah well it's Gucci Mane I don't know what the character's called yeah I can't remember his character name and I think this scene really emphasizes the fragility of all of what is going on in this film the girls there this kind of crazy time that they're having his wealth and status and it's sort of all, all in this scene you kind of see that it's there's there's no reality to it and at some point it no. will end and obviously it does not long afterwards so yeah i i i just i think it really encapsulates that sense in the film after you've had so much yeah debauchery and and you know just madness i, I don't yeah i think it's a great scene very memorable <laughs> This is coming from a guy, a director, who also made a film called Trash Humpers. <laughs> so you can't tell me anything about this guy. It's big, serious. <laughs> Trash Humpers. And I'm not going to spoil what that film's about, but you might be able to guess. Raccoons. Um, well, I'll, the opening scene of that film is a gang of elderly individuals masturbating to trash. So, Oh, that was way off. Yeah. <laughs> Skrillex playing in the background. <laughs> With Skrillex playing in the background. No, so um, I do not understand this man. But thanks for making Spring Breakers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, yeah, I still proudly sits on my shelf. Um, now, those are the two most standout songs of the film. But there is one more that Dietrich wanted to mention. A song that is completely uh, forgettable. <laughs> Has something to be said about it, but it's, something is very little. So this is the song Hanging with the Dope Boys. Oh, actually, sorry. Hanging with the Dope Boys uh, by Dangerous. <laughs> with the music video directed by James Franco. Um, he also plays a small part, I think, in the song, but... Could you tell me where? Yeah, I... I one I, of my notes for this was, where is James Franco in the song? I don't know. Other than the fact that James Franco, his character Alien, was based on this individual called Dangerous, who has... Most of his songs seem to be about cocaine, looking in his uh, in his discography on uh, Spotify. So, yeah, it clearly is, and apparently he's made this man a lot of money. This song is terrible. Absolutely <laughs> shocking. The background feels like it's been taken from like an Usher or David Guetta song. Um, and the lyrics and singing over the top is by far <laughs> different from an Usher song. Uh, I don't know what you want to say about this, Dean. Yeah, it's, it's not a particularly good song at all, really, if we're honest. I'm sorry for breaking your heart there, Alex. I assume you're a big fan of it. I am, especially the way that it's you know performed by James Franco in the film. Yeah, I mean, the, the visuals are the only bits that really sort of save this because it it does manage to like accurately capture the heat and um, uncomfortable squishiness of being near the front of a stage during a gig. Oh, yeah, especially in that Florida heat. But yeah, this just feels like a really naff, arguably more naff Rick Ross song. <laughs> yeah, who coincidentally was on this album? Oh, really? Yeah, there is, I mean, I'm pretty sure there is a song by Rick Ross. Yeah, well, there you go. Says it all. Says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. I'd listened to the whole song outside of the film, so it's a good job the movie cuts away as well, because right at the end, he starts talking about the movie Spring Breakers and the actresses. So it creates this like, weird paradox where the movie exists in the movie Spring Breakers. Yeah. But I wouldn't put it past this film to have something as weird as that. That would have been good. I'd have liked that. It also probably would explain, do you know when Alien bails them out of court? Mm-hmm. 
and there's no actual reason for him to know to be there. If you've seen the movie Spring Breakers, he then knows he has to go do that. <laughs> oh, don't. This, is, this, this does sound like um, like some weird Enter the Void shit. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Dangerous said he was, he was supposed to play the character alien in the film, which I don't believe. But apparently James Franco was still in the film, so I don't know who James Franco was supposed to play. Was it Vanessa Hudgens' role? I think we have to ask the question about Alien and James Franco. Was James Franco acting at any point in this film? (laughs) Because there's like a raft of physical and mental and sexual abuse accusations of James Franco. And everything Alien does in this film probably does appear on James Franco's Wikipedia page. So I'd argue that Alien might be a nicer person. Yeah, it, it does sort of feel that way. Like, if you ever read his Wikipedia page, it's got, like, one of the longest yes. controversies sections. It's, it's, like, something every year from, like, 2010 all the way through to this year from a different actress or just random person who's had the misfortune of interacting with James Franco in real life, much like the characters in this film with Alien. Yeah, I mean, those scenes, like, on the bed with the gun and stuff, it, they do really oh, make my yeah. skin crawl watching it. Yeah, still... Yeah, and when he's trying to convince Selena Gomez's character to stay, oh, it's like it's awful. the creepiest, most controlling. Oh, it is. It's yeah. It's, they do it, do that well too. Ugh. Like the camera sort of like just really looming over. Mm. So um, claustrophobic. Just that kind of pressure. Yeah, incredibly, incredibly. Yeah, that scene. To be fair, is like is also a really standout moment in the film because it, it all of a sudden gets very dangerous in that moment, doesn't it? I think we're starting to realise that the film is a standout for you, Alex. It's just, well, yeah. I, I, it's very memorable. Do you, do you want my DVD, Alex? Yes, do you want please. my DVD? Pissed. Do you want my 4K Blu-ray? Yeah, is, it, is that what it is? It's a 4K Blu-ray, then. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Sorry, it's, a, it's not a 4K Blu-ray. It's, it's not a steelbook. It's just a special edition Blu-ray. <laughs> okay. I would love a steelbook, but unfortunately I've run out of steelbook room, so I'd have to choose something to replace with Spring Breakers. Uh, and I just don't know if I can... I could put it next to Space Jam. Ooh. There's a through line there, probably. Technically, there might actually be. In between Space Jam and Easy Rider, uh, I can find a place. Uh, I can say goodbye to Das Butt. <laughs> 12 degrees of separation. What What? Yeah, yeah, what yeah, connects the Easy of Bacon, Rider, yeah. <laughs> Space Jam and Spring Makers? The answer is they're all steelbook on Ben's wall. I'll do it on, I'll do it on our Twitter uh, this week. See if someone can do it. Connect the dots. Top five. Top five time. All right, so when Ben normally does these top fives, and hopefully Alex has spotted this as well, they generally fall into four categories. <laughs> you've got your, your data-driven top fives, quite simple, straightforward. Then you've got your subjective opinion top fives. Then he does like a put these in order top five. Yep. And then there's the final category, which is I've got a list, or like a large list of things, and you have to name five correct answers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that's today's style. Oh, okay. You know what it's like, though. You know the episode of Simpsons when they go to the fair and they go to all those different stalls and they ask they they ask for food and it's all coming from the same trough <laughs> yes. in the basement. That's that's that what you just described. I give them different labels, but it's all the same swill. <laughs> that's this podcast, really. Well, I hope you don't think this one's swill. <laughs> yeah. So we we didn't speak about her much, but Ashley Benson was one of the uh, main characters in this film. And she has a very varied filmography. But to me, one role stands out. <laughs> Other than Spring Breakers, any guesses? Ashley Benson? Hey, no. Which, which, no, one no she, which one is she of the four? She's the one that gets no, shot. No, she's not, no, she isn't actually. That's the current. That's current. She's the other one at the end with Vanessa Hudgens. Clearly you don't know who she is. Fair enough. So the thing that to me that stands out the most is she was in that insipid 
cringe-filled cover of Imagine by Gal Gadot and Christine Oh, Puig. Oh, God, I literally clenched. So your task is to name five celebrities who also participated oh, in that video. And I will not be accepting Ashley Benson, Gal Gadot, or Kristen Wiig. Uh, There's 22 possible names. Oh God. Go. Oh, Elton God. Was that remember. John in it, or was that a separate video? That was a separate line. Like, <laughs> you just couldn't understand the word you're saying. So that was separate. Concert for COVID or something like that. I'm trying to remember them now. They're, oh God, it was awful. Chris Pratt. Um, what's his face? What's his face? The guitarist. Um, you know that everyone in America loves. Lenny Kravitz. No. Um, what's his name? John Mayer. Oh God, he would. Uh, no. And uh, who do you say, Alex? I just said Chris Pratt randomly. Uh, no, he's not. No. <laughs> Um, it's famous people. They are famous people. Um, yeah. there's people from, like, um, I don't know, trying to think. Chris Hemsworth, is he in it? Nope. Just naming people from the Marvel franchise. Chris Evans. Robert Downey Jr. Why Marvel? That, they're both DC. They really are both DC. Well, Ezra, Ezra Miller's not going to be in, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he would like to imagine a few things. Just strangling <laughs> someone in the background. Uh, oh, oh, well, yeah, okay, Jason Momoa. It doesn't seem like something he would no. do, but he was in the DC. Are we, are we, are we guessing DC stuff? Well, I was. Henry Cavill. Uh, All I'll say about guessing DC is... You're going to be here a while. Oh, okay. Um, is there, were there any singers in it or was it all actors? Um, there were some singers. Who's in it now? I'm just trying to think of some of the terrible... What's the, what's the, um, what's the guy called who's in Mandalorian? Who plays Mando? Yeah. Who, who's the person who plays yeah. Lando? No, Mando. Mando. What's his name? Din Djarin. Well, that character. Yeah, the name? main character of Mandalorian. What's his name? He is an answer, so if you get yeah, the answer... Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I can't remember his he name. He was in Game of Thrones. Is he? Yeah. He was. Uh, I know he's in. He's in a. Uh, oh no, I'm not in, thinking. Uh, no, I'm Kingsman Two. He's in Kingsman Two. I'm thinking. <laughs> Wait, the guy who plays the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, he was in Game of Thrones. Is he? Yeah, he plays Prince Oberon. Do I? Am I getting someone wrong? Okay, it's Pedro Pascal. Yeah, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. He plays the Mandal. He plays right. uh, Prince Oberon. Okay, so I got a new one. A new one. Okay, so that's one. Yay. <laughs> okay, Alex, who is your favorite actor slash singer of all time? Uh. S- God, it's um, Alfie Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, um, is it uh, Lin Manuel? Was he in it? Nope. Uh, is it Leslie um, Odom Jr.? Leslie Odom Jr. Yep, correct. <laughs> nice, Leslie. nice, Leslie. nice, nice. I knew it was someone from Hamilton when you said that. <laughs> You're suddenly going, oh, it was pretty good that video. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to rewatch that. <laughs> oh, why did they do this? Why did Indina they do Menzel. this? Indina Menzel. Uh, I'm sick no. of other mu- musical singers now. <laughs> Kristen Bell. I'm just no. Know. Um. I don't know. Sasha Baron Cohen. Nope. Uh, Maya Rudolph. Yes. What? How did you... How, how did, <laughs> I just you're, guessed because Kristen Wiig. Because you say Kristen Wiig, I was like, I was like, they obviously were in Bridesmaids together. Who does Gal Gadot play? Wonder Woman. Who? Yeah, and who played Wonder Woman in the 70s and 80s? Oh, bloody no hell. I do. Um, oh. Right, okay, so I'll try a different one. Just pick a random one, do you? Yeah, keep picking different actors. Go on, I'm enjoying it. Um... Without making it too obvious. I think we need it. Well, actually, you've said the surname, Ben, of one of these people. What? So you said Lenny Kravitz, but not oh, it wasn't Lenny. I didn't say Lenny Kravitz. I said Lenny Kravitz. I said Lenny Kravitz. Zoe, oh, Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz, yes. Yeah. Is that, that's four you've got. She could gain roles. When I reveal this list at the end, it's a who's who of who cares. <laughs> You're going <laughs> of who cares. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, we haven't guessed many musicians actually. Not Yoko Ono. Um, no. Now that would have been amazing. Someone... Have you ever watched? Have you ever watched Yoko Ono singing fireworks? Katy Perry's fireworks. No, sounds good though. <laughs> Honestly, straight as soon as family guy a, anyone listening, as soon as you finished this podcast, go on YouTube, watch it. There has never been a performance like it. Okay, singer, 
Haircut. Singer? Haircut. Haircut that everyone knows. Everyone knows. Billy Eilish. Yeah, like if, if you saw the haircut, you go, oh, it's, it's that singer. Oh. Um, the girl from the Saturdays. <laughs> I don't know what her name was. She had the pixie haircut. Frankie from the Saturdays. Come on then. Frankie from the Saturdays. You knew what I meant. <laughs> I didn't know what you meant. Yeah, I didn't want to say it. So yeah, they'll laugh. Oh, oh, no. I was going to say, no, that's wrong. Um, the girl um, with that hair. Yeah, honestly. Okay, it's nice to see you. Nice. <laughs> Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> Bruce Forsyth. It's Sia. It's Sia. Oh, Sia. Oh, right. All oh, right. Because she, like she wears the wig. Yeah. So that's five. God. This was painful. That was, that was painful. That is, that, yeah, that I'll run through the rest of this quickly. Jamie Dornan. Ugh. Labyrinth. James Come Marsden. Sarah, Sarah Silverman. <laughs> Eddie Benjamin. Jimmy Fallon. Ugh. Natalie Portman. Ugh. Linda Carter, who was Ugh. the other original Wonder Linda Woman. Carter. Ah, right. Amy Adams. Chris O'Dowd, huh? Donna Porter, Will yeah. Ferrell, Mark Ruffalo, Nora Jones, Ruffalo. Ka- Ka- Kaya Gerber, Cara Delevingne, and Annie Maluma. God, it really is a bad bunch, that, isn't it? Cara Delevingne isn't famous. That's a really bad bunch, that. No wonder it went down like a lead balloon. Yoko Ono would have been an improvement. Yoko Ono would have been great. I mean, at least she was <laughs> involved in the original Yoko song. Ono. <laughs> would have made sense, at least. <laughs> I mean, I think I don't even think I ever made it through the original thing. That's why. That's why I turned it off. Yeah, I, was like, away. Oh, I saw like the first two lines. I was like, no, this is not for me or anybody <laughs> who thought this was a good idea. And if it is for anybody, I don't want to know them anymore. So now it's time to pick a best song from this movie. Not a hard choice, I don't think. Go on, Ben. Now, every time by Britney Spears is definitely the best song. But like I said, I was a big fan of Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites when I was a kid because I needed my ears to hurt. Um, <laughs> This song, and like, like so I'm trying to think what else, Minerva by Deftones. I don't know yeah. why, I just wanted my ears to hurt, and that song did it. Uh, and I will be deaf by 40. Alex? Uh, if the question is what is the best song in this film, it is Every Time by Britney Spears. <laughs> it's also I mean, we best... did not cover the Rick Ross song, so you know we can't be <laughs> yes, uh, completely... Uh, you know, don't worry, I'll, incl- I'll include the Rick Ross song. The answer is Britney Spears every time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it has to be. Both versions, the original and uh, the James Franco version. Was apparently a song in response to Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake. Yeah, it has an yeah. epic video as well. An absolute yeah. classic video of the time. I thought she was committing suicide when I was a kid. Well, that is what's going on, isn't it? No, no. She has, she gets, she hurts her head, Alex. Oh. She hurts her head. There's two versions, Ben. There's yeah, two there versions. is two versions, but I'm pretty sure the one we saw on TV was not the one where she takes a drug overdose. Yeah, in the TV version, she gets hit on the head by the like, paparazzi or something. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But she's wearing she's wearing red string around. Her she's wrists, wearing a red string around her wrist. Which doesn't help. Yeah, I mean it's obviously intentional, I guess. I mean, yeah, that was a roller coaster of a ride for like a ten year old, eleven year old boy to watch. I really distinctly remember as well the guy who she is with in the video just like looks like so early noise. It's unreal. He does, doesn't it? Yeah. Any Kyle Reese? Does look like Kyle. He does look like Kyle Reese. I don't think it is, but it does look like him. Anyway, Britney Spears wins. I know Alex will have looked up quotes for his send-off. You look at those quotes for all this film, and you tell me this is a serious movie. <laughs> yeah, they are a bit dodge. So that brings an end to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which song you think is the best, and uh, what you think of this movie. I'd be very intrigued to know what people think of this one. Alex, what is our Twitter handle? TSFTMPod. So you can help the podcast in many ways. One of those ways is by sharing this on Reddit. But Ben, what random subreddit should they share it on this week? Ooh, uh, the Mosquito subreddit. 
as well as Twitter and Reddit. You can also help the podcast by telling all your friends, leaving a review, five star guys, buying our merch and signing up to our Patreon. All the links are in the show notes. Right, so all that's now to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. This podcast is the most spiritual place I've ever been, and I'm going to tell my grandma to come here. <laughs> and goodbye from Ben. I've got shorts in every colour. <laughs> <laughs> so goodbye, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Sheet. Look at all my sheet. sheet. I mean, I was going to do that as the line, but I feel like it's too on the nose. It's very weird though, that Selena Gomez's character keeps saying that she's going to invite her grandma the next year. I mean, on the, on the list of things that are weird about this film, it's quite near the bottom, Alex. <laughs>